0: Hello oh, and welcome to a brand new episode of Invasion of the Uh now season two as we like to call it. Uh, are we calling this episode 21 or are we just starting afresh? I'm not sure?
1: Well it's episode 24, but it'll be episode... Oh no, hang on, it will be episode 21 though, you're right. Oh, we've had too many unofficial ones... Right, well, yes, okay, season two,
2: episode one. Season two, episode So you can call one. it
1: 21, because it's season two. Because if and we get season
2: 10, we're going to be. This is episode 133, oh, but maybe, <laughs> maybe, I don't know.
1: I think it'll get to a point where we can just sort of launch in and not have to introduce ourselves as well. Yeah, uh, but, but you know, just for the benefit yeah, of anybody watching, BBC,
2: BBC Radio 4 or something.
0: <laughs> but yeah, well, I mean, as you say, for the benefit of new people listening, um, we're a, a podcast where we're going to be looking at uh, what's available out there to stream, to watch on TV. Um, so to start with, you've got myself, and um, well, Graham, I look after what's on uh, TV, what's on free to air. Along with
1: me, we've also got Simon. Hello guys, Simon here. I look at slightly more niche streaming services and whatnot. Currently, I've got subscriptions to Mubi, Shudder and BFI Player, but I do dabble in Netflix and
2: Amazon as well, but... For that we also have Scott here hello guys I'm so the mainstream to Simon's niche um, <laughs> I look after obviously Netflix and Amazon but also a BFI player which is an extension through Amazon so uh, some potential for a skirmish between me and Simon there
1: <laughs> it's it, it's yet to happen but I'm, I'm putting the tanks at the border waiting
2: to an exit you know so it might happen when we can do this in person <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> one yeah. day yes it is it is also worth saying we're still in lockdown at the beginning of 2021 yeah 2021 has not proven to be any better than 2020 so far maybe even slightly worse which is kind of worrying it's yeah. been a very long 13 days uh it's 13th of january today and it doesn't really seem to be going any faster yeah, I mean, when we started this back in May, we were hoping
0: mm-hmm. that we would be recording it together or meeting up somewhere, recording it, but we're still recording remotely. You're still having to edit three separate sound files all together, Simon, so...
1: Yeah. <laughs> but that's good, because I can hack out little bits and pieces, which is easier to edit rather than just... All as one. Live. Yeah, fair So is. one day, our podcast will be a total mess, don't worry.
0: <laughs> one day. But yeah, I mean, obviously we've had uh, Christmas in between our last episodes, so um, we're now in 2021, so big, Happy New Year to every listener out there. Uh, thank you for rejoining us. Uh, but uh, how about you guys? How was your Christmases? What have you been
1: watching? Uh, did you have a good one? Quiet, quite low-key, but I did get lots of stuff watched, which was nice. Uh, one of the controversial things about the last couple of episodes of 2020 was... The fact that neither me or Scott had seen Home Alone, <laughs> you shot um, me. I managed to catch up with Home Alone. Did you, Scott?
2: I didn't. Oh, you suck. <laughs> <laughs> Never Maybe mind. next time. Maybe next Christmas. <laughs>
1: Maybe next. No. Maybe this year. Maybe this year. Uh, yeah, quite liked Home Alone. It's quite canny. Um, could have been about fifteen minutes shorter. I expected there to be more torture antics uh, towards the end of the film. I uh, thought that would be more of the movie itself. But, you know, I quite enjoyed it. Uh, I know that's just sacrilege to say it was like, oh, yeah, it was all right, but that's just the way I feel. Mm-hmm.
2: So you got more torture, did you say? Torture, yeah. Uh, well, Maybe you after Saw rather than Home Alone. <laughs> oh, it's, it's total
1: torture porn. It's, it's, it's awful. I was actually watching a video um, on YouTube about... Um, it was like, what would really happen if you got attacked by the traps in Home Alone? <laughs> um, and the dead. tall guy, I, I, like the guy that's not Joe Pesci, right? Yeah, he would be absolutely 100% six feet under the ground. Yeah. <laughs> <Just> like <laughs> Ribs shattered, neck broken, uh, just just in a terrible state, really. And there's more to look forward to in Home Alone 2, which you're, you're still to complete as well. Yes, I know. I hope, I hope there's another YouTube video on that
0: <laughs> for me to discover next year. When you saying as well, you've uh, you introduced your Father to It's a wonderful life. Yeah, that's right. Did you watch it on Christ- it was on on Christmas Eve. Did you
1: see and watch it on Channel Four? No, um, we've actually got the DVD. Mm. Um, my mum was wanting to watch the uh, colourised version of it, and I was like, <laughs> Mother, <laughs> how dare you? How very dare you? Um, but anyway, we did go for the black and white version. Good um, call. I cried, obviously. No, I uh, Dad you. didn't cry. He thought it was all right. Um, he just thought. I think. I think he was waiting for the like the the concept of the film to actually start. And I certainly remember when I first saw it. I was taken aback by how late in the film. Yeah, the actual there's a lot of content setup to
0: it. Yeah. Yeah,
1: it's like I think I think I checked the the time code on it. And it was like ninety nine minutes in. That's when, the uh, that's when he sort of really meets Clarence and all that, mm-hmm. and that's when the movie really starts in a way. <laughs> but I think it's it's such an intricately set up house of cards for like a hundred straight minutes that when they all come tumbling down in the final, like half an hour. Can't beat it. Yeah. Can't beat it.
0: Exactly. Uh, on
1: the other end of that, though, I did watch Dolly Parton's Christmas on the Square. <laughs> which is one of Netflix's uh, latest Christmas movies. I think you were right not to include this one in your Netflix roundup last time, Scott, because it is truly uh, at least the worst film of last year. Uh, (laughs) One of the worst films I've seen in a very long time. Laughed consistently all the way through, so I can't really hate it, but it was really, really terrible. Um, What else have I watched? I'm just looking at my Letterbox diary here and I'm like... Oh yeah, I rewatched Aquaman. Obviously, still a masterpiece. Uh, I watched a French dogging movie <laughs> called Liberté, which was uh, very, very boring. Um, I watched Tenet again, better, still not good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I introduced my mom to Phantasm the other night, uh, and she also thought that that was all right. Oh. So, uh, I guess I've just got to step up my film recommendation game with my parents because mm-hmm. it's it's not really taken off at the minute.
2: (laughs) To be fair, I think parents, their reaction's often, it's alright, to everything. It's alright, yeah. Yeah.
1: It's alright. Just a bit jaded, aren't they? Bless them.
2: (laughs) How about yourself, Scott? What did you manage to get watched over Christmas? I also watched uh, It's a Wonderful Life, uh, otherwise known as the greatest Christmas film of all time. Um, It's up there. And also Groundhog Day, which, which I always feel is like a Christmas-aligned film, I think we were calling them, weren't we? Where
1: Christmas adjacent. Christmas not, adjacent f- yes, not until February. Where...
2: It's Groundhog Day, though. Exactly. It's in it's in February. set in February, so it's not a Christmas film, by definition. <laughs> but it is one by, uh, you know, snow. Snow. Um, <laughs> so it's Christmas adjacent. I would, I, w- I would, argue. Yeah. I think that's um that's absolutely perfect. I think just it's a absolutely exceptional film. Uh, Probably fourth or fifth time I've seen it. It's it's one of those ones you can just watch again and again, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, just Bill Murray at his best, I would say. I'm proud of Ghostbusters, personally. Um, but I think he always brings something unique to the table. And that's... yeah. yeah. If you haven't seen Grandhog Day, get it watched. Both of my parents had never seen it. So, you watched
0: uh, that? Did you you say you've never seen Grandhog Day?
2: <gasps> nope. I've right? seen Happy Death Day. <sighs> um. I mean, what, how do you respond to that? No, I, what do you say? Just shake your head.
1: But that's not good
2: radio. <laughs> we'll go um, swiftly on from that one, I think.
0: Yeah, but uh, I've, I've got to say, there's not a great deal that I watched. It's like I I got some decent time off over Christmas for a change, and I was planning on just ticking off a whole load. Of, I mean, got um, Home Alone ticked off, got... Um, it's a wonderful life. Um, the Charlie Brown uh, Christmas movie. Uh, I'm trying to think what else. Die Hard, Die Hard 2. Oh, yeah. I watched Lethal Weapon. So, a lot of films ticked off. We didn't even get round to The Polar Express. Didn't get... Oh, what? I think we watched three. I managed to see almost in a day. In fact, yes, it was in one day. What three adaptations of A Christmas Carol?
1: You'd be going insane. Oh, actually they weren't too bad. There was the Christmas Carol multiverse. In the morning there
0: was the Albert Finney one, um, which is like a musical, big sort of set pieces. There was one I can't remember the name of the actor. There's a one that was like a TV adaptation um, from the kind of late seventies, early eighties. Can't remember the actor, but that one was that was okay. But then topped it off with the best one, up its Christmas Carol.
1: I was half tempted to watch the Robert Zemeckis one because it just looks so horrible. With um, Jim
0: Carrey, it's really, it, it's yeah.
1: really scary.
0: The yeah. um, it's a, it's not a kids' adaptation by any means. It's got some really
1: chilling effects to it. And even more chilling, I looked up on the on the cast list, mm-hmm. and it said that Gary Oldman doesn't only play Bob Cratchit, but he also plays Tiny Tim. <laughs> right. <laughs> And I was like, is this like a tiptoe sequel? This is bizarre. Um, but yeah, that, that I'm really going to have to watch this like at the end of season two. Yeah, okay, so.
0: yeah. <laughs> exactly. But um, we, as well as a bit of a recap there on uh, Christmas, um, we've uh, always start off each episode um, by going through uh, a bit of news. And uh, one thing that we've picked up on is just in the last day, Netflix have done like a What's to Come in 2021 little video um now i watched it and straight away i was like going to the comments underneath to see what their general reaction was and to say that it was a bit negative or a bit mixed was an understatement um both you guys have seen the video now as well what's your take of what we saw um meh.
1: (laughs) (laughs) meh indeed well i think i think you've got to just like hand it to netflix though because they are the only people who are making content at the minute like properly inconsistently Mm -hmm. i know warner brothers have tried to adapt in certain ways but since you know tenet kind of flopped and wonder woman 1984 has got a hugely negative reception so far um, and it's not getting released in theaters at least over in the uk at least the they've kind of fallen flat on their face but netflix keeping going keeping going going throughout yeah they've even made lockdown movies so like malcolm and marie for example which is the John David Washington's India romance, um, that was made in lockdown. I think mm-hmm. it's just a two hander, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I'm kind of hoping that's going to give John David Washington a little bit more credibility as well after Tenant because his character in Tenet is just like there's nothing to work with. Well, I think whatsoever y- y- there. he
0: earned credibility in Black Klansman. There's no worry, yes. worry mm-hmm. there, but <laughs> yeah, I think after Tenet he needed to he needs to sort of uh, pick his roles
1: to reestablish himself. He does, and I, and I saw a, a, an article headline today that read, John David Washington says he threw up after eating seven bowls of mac and cheese for a scene in Malcolm and Marie, so he's definitely trying. <laughs> <laughs> That's method for you.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm quite impressed. I mean, as, as I was watching it, the, the whole video of what's to come, I mean, the things that I took from it is the fact that, well, there's no massive um, comic book Adaptations, it's all original,
1: mm-hmm. so as far as what I could tell. There's going to be a superhero movie in there, though. Yeah, the Thunder thing with um, Octavia one. Spencer and yeah. Nelson yeah. McCarthy. Um, that but looks then... a bit like the We Can Be Heroes thing with Robert Rodriguez, is just
0: released. yeah. Uh, well, I yeah. thought as well, the interesting thing is, there was no sequels in there. So it was mm-hmm. all brand new well, stuff. Well, there
1: was there was actually <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Go on. Only
1: sequels to Netflix stuff. Uh, yeah, So they had the Kissing Booth three. Oh yeah, until mean, the boys I before three.
2: Yeah. One all got me watching. I think.
1: <laughs> well, I think I think it is interesting because like they've made a trilogy out of this franchise, and they only started like three four years ago. You mm. know what I mean? It's like very consistent output. But yes, yeah, sorry, go on. Uh, well, the other one I picked up on was,
0: I mean, was I was going through, there was nothing that really stood out to me. There was the Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead, but it was a very brief clip. I mean, all the yeah. clips were very brief, we've got to say. Mm-hmm. And then at the very end, that one with Leonardo DiCaprio and Jennifer Lawrence, the Don't Look Up, it, it gave you no impression of what the film was about. It just showed you them at the back of an aircraft hangar as the door went down. And I was like, mm-hmm. okay. Two big stars, let's see, but left it very much there. So I'm interested to, to find out a bit more about that. But there's news as well that Netflix are shortly going to be putting up their prices. So if you're on the standard $5.99 bundle, um, that's not changing. But if you're on the $8.99, uh, which includes HD, that is going up to $9.99. And then the eleven ninety nine, dollars which includes the Ultra HD, is going up to fourteen ninety nine. dollars So a couple of big um, price hikes up from there. Uh, but also there's news that Disney Plus, they're also increasing their prices um, from five ninety nine a month up to seven ninety nine a month. So it's not too big a hike. It's still less than some of the other uh, monthly subscriptions. And as you were saying when we were just talking earlier, Simon, that uh, you've worked out uh, there's a lot of Marvel coming up. Yeah, in that price. I mean, I
1: know we were talking about the slate that was announced last month or whatnot, but I was working it out because WandaVision starts airing this Friday that's going to run for eight weeks and then the week after that they're going to launch Falcon and Winter Soldier and they haven't announced a release date for Loki yet mm-hmm. but what I'm thinking is they're just gonna keep on going <laughs> and keep going and then they're gonna keep that run on yeah occupying our Friday nights Friday night is more however night. long they can I mean, there's going to be, like, what, five Marvel TV shows this year or whatever? Mm. But how, there's more in the pipeline? We've got to mention Moonlight. as well
0: though, that none of us have gotten Disney Plus as yet, so it's going to be interesting to see in terms of the reaction to these series whether it'll tempt any of us. I mean, I personally, I've got to say that I'm the one who's most invested in the Marvel films out of the three of us, probably, but... Um, I like them well enough. Yeah, oh, I'm not saying that you don't, but like Scott's yeah. a bit shrugsy his shoulders, but I'm, I love Marvel in and out but I'm a bit hesitant over the TV series because previous adaptations, like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., or oh, um, certainly the Marvel ones have been so
1: intermittent. Yeah, but that was sort of like outside of the... That was even outside of the Netflix Daredevil canon, for example. I yeah. mean, there's like three separate canons, really, aren't there? Because there's like the sort of kiddified ABC... Yeah. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. thing you've got the dark and gritty Netflix ones and now you've got this new sort of continuing MCU canon and let's see if they try and bring that all together eventually, yeah,
2: entirely possible exactly. to be honest, it, it would take a lot for me to, to get Disney Plus I think, to persuade us to get it um, oh, you'd watch it for Beauty and the Beast, what you want about it? <laughs> <laughs> the princess and just, the frog just
1: watch on BBC One the it's fox never and wrong. the hound,
0: that's all. that's all you'd be watching it for
1: <laughs> oh that's kind
0: <laughs> but right well um, in terms of uh, we've covered there a lot to do with Netflix so we're going to hand over to you now Scott because you're going to cover what you've spotted coming up for Netflix
2: yeah so uh, in recent months um, Netflix it's just, it's been a bit of some pickings really in terms of what's been going on there but uh, this time this month I've uh, gone with some solid picks here um, mm. so I've never seen it myself but I've got the US office on there now they have the UK one as well, which I haven't seen either. Um UK so is masterful. I think I would need to watch the UK one first. Um, mm-hmm. But by all accounts, obviously, USA is, is worth watching, I think. Easy watching. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the, 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 there's a lot of memes from it as well. So uh, <laughs> if, you're, if you're into your dank memes, I think this is a good one.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. I haven't heard dank in a
2: while. Yeah, you know, good. How very 2015 of you? <laughs> Uh, we've also got The Wolf of Wall Street, the fantastic Martin Scorsese film, starring the already-mentioned Leonardo DiCaprio. Wonderful film, that. Um, hugely enjoyable. It, it is three hours long, isn't it? Which, precisely. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I don't think it feels that long. I think it's uh, it doesn't feel boring, in my opinion. When I've only watched it once, but I, no. I didn't really feel it dragged. Depends on your tolerance for the amount of, like, sex, drugs and... <laughs> boobs that you get Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of that going on absolutely but uh, yeah. I think the quality the, the film making and the script writing is, makes up for it I think it enhances the yes. the yes drugs and boobs and absolutely stuff. <laughs> absolutely and we've also got Saving Private Ryan um, I think pretty much everyone's seen that haven't they I haven't seen it in ages but uh, I think its reputation is deserved I think the the beach scene is is phenomenal mm-hmm. I think it's just a uh, Great scene from the last uh, 20 years or so. Also got the 2012 version of Dread, which is very much a solid film. Uh, really that. really supremely enjoyable. I think one of the best comic book adaptations of recent times. Also got Easy Rider. Um, again, mm. I've only seen that once. haven't seen it in ages, um, but certainly one I'll be checking out. Good to see that
1: they're branching out to more older films again. I mean, I know you were talking about the Yusuf Shaheen that they had, Mm -hmm. like Little Season surrounding him.
2: Yeah. you know, Good Mm -hmm. to see that
1: they're diversifying a bit more.
2: Yeah, it's good to see they're going beyond the 80s. Uh, It'd be great to see more older films coming on there, but uh, obviously an icon of the counterculture era, so I'll be checking that out again just to see if its reputation holds up in my view. And Amazon Prime Video uh, has uh, similarly um, solid offerings uh, coming up. Obviously, we've got Denis Villeneuve's June coming up, and we've got the 1984 David Lynch version coming on. Um, oh, hey. Obviously, not quite the film that David Lynch probably hoped it it would be in the end. Um, I think it's, it's, it's certainly messy, a bit of an abortive attempt. I think we could <laughs> say. Um, I think it didn't. I think he would say it wouldn't, didn't turn out as he wanted it to. Let's, let's be honest I, th- I think
1: he'd go a little bit further yeah. than that I, th- I think he'd refuse to talk about it.
2: <laughs> yeah but uh, we've got Gone Girl which which I think is, is fantastic it's it's a great looking film I think the uh, cinematography can't be faulted on that we've also got Birdman did, did that win Best Picture? Yes. yes so if you're going through the Best Picture winners a chance to watch that um, obviously, it's presented as as single shot, and I think they do they do achieve that look very well. We've got yet more Leo with uh, the revenant, worth watching for the uh, sort of the the bear fight. Um, <laughs> I, thought, I think that's uh, quite that is quite. Uh, it's a fight. I, I, know, it I always thought it was a love scene.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's almost. Know. <laughs> there's, there's
1: a couple of you know vibes from that bear. I always thought the Revenant would be better if it was more like a Red Dead Redemption movie rather than a wannabe Tarkovsky movie. But you know, I think I think that movie's in there. I just think it's very very
2: pretentious. Mm. In my opinion, the, yeah. the Revenant could have been a lot better. I think um, mm. it's great. Don't get us wrong. I think it's a very good film. Great great watch. But uh, I think they could have done even more with it. I think that could have been mm. a real masterpiece. Which
1: could have been the Apocalypse Now this was.
2: era. Yeah, 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 but great nonetheless. I'd watch. i recommend watching it, listeners. And I've also got a uh, seven. Again, one I haven't seen in ages. Uh, probably a good five year, but uh, certainly one I'll be revisiting. I think Morgan Freeman and Brad Pitt is a is a great pair in there. The lead role. Uh, one of one of Fincher's. is it, is it David Fincher? Mhm. Mm-hmm. Ah, it's just been so long since I've seen that one. But uh, yeah, uh, just. A, Another great film from him in a great filmography. Again, one I'll be revisiting. Just a few recommendations from Amazon here. Um, the Hunt, which stars Mads Mikkelsen as a man who is wrongfully implicated um, as a paedophile. Uh, and it's basically his attempts to clear his name. Uh, it's, it's it's a very harrowing film, just with a uh, sort of wrongful um, implication of him. And it's. I think it's... This is his best performance that I've seen. Um, obviously, as as Lashie, he is he is phenomenal. But I think this is just a really well rounded performance. Um, I think he just really brings brings out the emotion of man in the, that position. As I say, wrong. I think you... that's... Go on, Simon.
1: Sorry, no, sorry. I was just gonna say I think that's quite a good recommendation because um, both he and Thomas Vinterberg, so director of The Hunt, um, they've got a new film coming out potentially in february i think Mm -hmm. And it's called another round or it's the oh i think the original danish title is druk which is drunk and it's about um a bunch of teachers who discover this study uh where it's like if you have a certain level of alcohol in your bloodstream at all times a very very low amount then it will exponentially increase your level of happiness in in life so in their day-to-day life as school teachers, they begin to uh, just you know have a beer during the break and stuff just to see if it actually <laughs> it actually works, uh, and I think things, at least from the trailer, from the looks of the trailer, they begin to get a bit out of hand. I think it's going to be less heavy than the yes, hunt, I by the sense so. of it, <laughs> but I hope so. Still, really sounds
2: good. Yeah, but uh, yeah. as I say, it's it's the hunt isn't. A happy film, uh, really, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, w- I would that, that, that's a massive recommendation. I would say, I would, mm. as I say, it's available on Amazon. If you have Amazon, you must check it out. Also, uh, Graham, I think, is going to mention uh, All, all the Presence Men later. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. and we've got the Parallax View, which is Alan J. Pacula's pre preceding film, obviously, mm. not anywhere as well known, I would say, but um, it's about uh. Organization who uh, specialize in political assassination. As I say, it's nowhere near as well known, but uh, and it's not as good in my opinion. Uh, but the product's view is it's very much worth watching just to see what Alan J. Packler is doing just before All the Prison's Men. You'll see uh, similar themes, similar approach uh, to what he's trying to do with the film. Um, and there's another one it's there's a there's a trilogy of his. Um, there's another one that preceded the Parallax View. I can't remember what that's called. Off the top of my head. Any anyone? Uh, I'm not outside, familiar with this film. Sure, really, there was a third film in that trilogy. Um, well, it's that, not Day of the Jackal, is it? No, no. I think okay. it's I think it's from nineteen seventy one. Of, of course, okay. if if there's not a third film, it's not a trilogy. So, <laughs> <laughs> it's just a double I'm pretty bill. certain there was another one. Um,
1: uh. Clute,
2: Clute, yes. With there we'll Donald go.
1: Sutherland and Jane Fonda.
2: Yeah, there we go. So I haven't seen Clute. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not aware of that being available anywhere. But uh, it's uh, on
1: Criterion. You can get a Criterion
2: mm. of it. Given how expensive they are, uh, <laughs> might not be want to be getting anytime soon. But just uh, wait for an offer. Yeah, I'll if I can access that. I'll uh, I'll watch that and then I'll be able to rank the trilogy. But Paradox you worth watching now i'm going to venture into unclaimed territory a, a, a bit of an of this one uh on Ooh. the podcast now uh, it's it's called off Mikes and men and it's a four-part tv documentary about the wu-tang clan the rap group um who mm. debuted with the iconic 36 chambers album from 1993
0: yeah um, i watched it was on sky arts a little while yeah. ago uh brilliant it's uh Four long episodes, so I wouldn't be able to sit down and watch it in one go. But if you break it up, it's really insightful.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think it's an HBO uh, production originally. Mm-hmm. So if HBO Max ever came to this country, I'm sure it would be on there. But uh, as you mentioned, it was on Sky Arts, which is now a free channel in the UK, yeah. which is uh-huh. on Freeview. So uh, might there might well be uh, multiple opportunities to catch this documentary if you're so inclined. I would say it's something worth watching just if you're in your music generally, if you've got a p- passing uh, interest in hip-hop music. Um, but it's a very insightful documentary, it goes into um, sort of the early beginnings of the group. Uh, from the first album, 36 Chambers, through the the excellent solo debut from, from some of the members, uh, Liquid Swords from Jizzer, uh, for example, uh, Tikal, uh, Method Man. All of those, and then in Wu Tang Forever and the W, their subsequent albums, but it also goes into the um, early lives of the members, sort of growing up in um, I can't remember which borough of New York it was. I think it's Staten Island, might be. I'm not entirely sure about that, but uh, certainly it's a very insightful documentary into their into their youth, um, mm. their upbringing, going into their early careers in the Wu Tang Clan and beyond. So it is a thorough recommendation from me if, if you're into the group you'll get a lot from it and and indeed if you're not into the group you'll find something uh interesting i think in in how the documentary is constructed and uh, i think it is a very competent production it comes out very well um certainly very good mm, nice anyway that's it from me so um i believe graham is going to take it from here no, no, I'm, I'm going to take it. Oh, sorry, Simon. No. <laughs> Simon is the, the jam in this uh, week's. My stand. apologies to Simon.
1: <laughs> I think I think labeling me as jam when the first topic of conversation that I'm about to do is is you know like very much sludge and slime related. <laughs> oh yeah, go on then take it's, it, it, it it's, away. It's not it's not that nice really. Um, yeah, in in the previous episode, Odman's flushed away came up in conversation and for some reason i felt the need to weigh in with my own opinion on it uh, and just as I started my little mini review i realized i had nothing insightful to say so i just ended up with and i quote i quite like flushed away because i like sewers and toilets and stuff uh and though it wasn't the most insightful review in the world i realized that it might be a strange truth about myself and my own psyche so uh, I asked the listeners for any films with great sewers and toilets in them, and surprisingly enough, it was actually a really popular post. <laughs> <laughs> like loads of people got in touch uh, with some really great recommendations. So I'm gonna start off with Ian, who says Jurassic Park, epic toilet scene. It is an excellent one. I am assuming he's talking about the scene where the T-Rex rips the top off the the outdoor toilet and and eats the corporate guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, then Graham. Graham, who's she no. like? Oh, hello, uh, that will be me. Oh, yeah, of course. Oh, yeah. You said sw- <laughs> old, I, I said <laughs> I like the to comments to reference there. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, Graham said they're lean, green, and on the screen. It's the teenage mutant ninja turtles, even though the films were awful. <laughs> sewer dwelling, mutated ninja turtles. What's not to love? Um, Kirsty, hello, mother. Um, well, obviously, any sewer from it. Until you meet Pennywise and then it all goes downhill of course many terrifying sewer scenes in all three of those movies Uh, And she also commented The outside toilet scene in the Norwegian film Headhunters can almost smell it. Yes, very underrated film with a very underrated toilet scene Darren hello father. Uh, He commented lame is the death of spoilers Javert, aka Russell Crowe, and most of the third act does indeed take place in the sewers of Paris. Uh, Lauren said, it is an obvious choice, but probably my favourite scene in the film, train spotting. Um And yes, I've got to agree there. On a personal note, that's probably one that I saw too early in life, so that toilet did definitely make an impression on me. Callum said, I'm going lowbrow with Johnny English climbing up the toilet pipe. Yes, Callum. Also notable because of Johnny English's gun jamming with the contents of said toilet. Uh Daniel said um, slimy sewers and ghostbusters too have to be up there. Yeah. Also Andy Dufresne had a special moment in a sewer. Yes oh. indeed, that was a very special uh yeah. very helpful sewer. As they say there's a lot of Shawshank before you get to the redemption. <laughs> <laughs> indeed, indeed. Um Blake said bog standard office bog down which turtle gets flushed in love and peace. Which actually was gonna be one of my Christmas like alternate Christmas film suggestions and I actually forgot it was a Christmas film. Uh it's a Japanese movie by Sion Sono about uh, a turtle that gets flushed down the toilet, uh, and the owner of the turtle becoming a big pop star. Um, but then later on the turtle um sort of grows uh in the in the bottom of the sewer with a bunch of magical toys. There uh, there's a Japanese Santa Claus who has like a bunch of toys down in the sewer and then it turns into a cagey movie so um yeah that's love and peace for you guys you should totally <laughs> check that out if you can get your hands on it <laughs> um another simon said it's got to be teenage mutant ninja turtles again a very popular one uh max weighed in with street trash which i haven't seen but he says that the toilet death scene is great and i did watch that today And I think I need a little bit more context to understand what the hell happened during it, but it does look fun Uh, He also suggested Mandy Nicolas Cage screaming slash downing vodka on the toilet all good fun And also stalker which so he says the very long pipe. Is that even a sewer? Yes, it is a sewer and I'll elaborate on that a little bit further in my wait for it top five cinematic sewers which I'm feeling the need to share with you all, because that's just part of my brand.
2: Share away. Um, <laughs> I think this is the first <laughs> time the someone's done a list like this, by the way.
1: <laughs> you see, breaking new ground, we had an A-lister last week, we have sewers this week. What's not to love about Invasion of the Podcasters? Um, so, tied at number five of my top cinematic sewers, I'm, I'm going to avoid toilets for this one, but I think... You yeah, know, that's, just that's to a separate category, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'll... I might do another list. We'll see. (laughs) Um, So tied at number five, I'm going to start off with a couple of mid noughties animations about rats because I think that's probably where my fascination with sewers began. The first is, of course, flushed away, so I'll come full circle here, but I'd be very remiss if I didn't talk about Ratatouille in the same breath. Mm. Uh, I think Ratatouille is the better film, of course, but it does contain less sewer action. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, there is an Academy (laughs) Award to, uh, to back that up. So, yeah, I mean, Ratatouille, because it's more set in a kitchen and it's more hygienic, or at least you'd hope, um, it does contain less sewer action than flushed away. But that's why I'm putting them both on the list, because they bounce each other out quite nicely. Uh, at number four, this one is a little contestable, but it's one that's stuck in my mind since I was very young, and it's the storm drain slash sewage uh, outlet uh, that E.T. is found unconscious next to in uh, E.T., of mm-hmm. course. I think this one's responsible for upsetting and traumatising many children over the years including myself, so I think it's a very important sewer in the cultural consciousness Uh, Number three, the third man of course, or in this particular instance I think it might be more appropriate to call it the the third third man man. Yeah, you got me there (laughs) In all seriousness
0: It doesn't have the same ring to it when you're talking about toilets and sewers no,
1: it's be a little bit more echoey down Let's there. Let's just talk we.
0: about the Ferris wheel. Let's forget the sewers.
1: <laughs> no, the sewers the best part. Um <laughs> this one is actually a very architecturally interesting sewer and the chase sequence that it takes place in is put together very masterfully of course by director Carol Reed. It's also interesting um in fact that you can take a tour of this sewer in Vienna. So as a film tour guide And since it's a tour of a sewer, I think that might be my dream job, yeah? Don't cross the streams. (laughs) Oh, I've got bridges for that. (laughs) Um, At number two, uh, it's another technicality, but I passed it by your good selves last night, and you had no objection, so it's Star Wars. Uh, and the sewer that i had in mind is the trash compactor in the death star which is home to a lot of sludge and slime and uh, technical beasties and Uh, incredible smells Mm -hmm. uh, just waiting to be discovered and at number one it's a film that's already been mentioned by one of our listeners but it has to be stalker for me it's one of my very favorite films and one of my very favorite sewers as well uh for context the film mostly takes place in an abandoned industrial complex called the zone uh, that three men must navigate to find a room that grants wishes Uh, and as part of their journey it takes them into the scariest sewer of all time Uh, tarkovsky the director uh he shoots this bit in very very long takes and he makes it for all the suspense that he can uh, so, you know, while it's not the most architecturally interesting sewer in all of cinema, it is definitely the best sewer scene in any movie. So there you go. Thanks for listening to that. Uh, <laughs> I I I feel like you've all gotten to know me better and that I've gotten it off my chest, so it's healthy,
0: you know? Yeah, make sure to join us for the next episode where Simon's going to take the top five cinematic U-bends. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Try me. Try me, mate, honestly. I will. I will. But no, back to my regular programming.
2: I actually need to get a drink. Hang on. It's all that talk of toilets, isn't it? Talk of toilets, yes, it does. It's very It's made me
1: very thirsty.
2: (laughs) All right, so, um, yes, back
1: to my streaming recommendations. I'm going to start off with movie this week. My first film recommendation today is the film that movie dropped on New Year's Day. Perhaps as a bad omen about how damn long this year is going to feel. So, of course, it's titled About Endlessness. Um, it's rumoured to be the final film by Roy Anderson, who's a Swedish auteur with a very distinct visual style. He's got a very dry sense of humour. Uh, there's barely any camera movements in his films and everyone looks dead. So I think I'd describe him as a necrotic version of Wes Anderson. Uh, He actually made the Living Trilogy of films between 2000 and 2014, composed of Songs from the Second Floor, You, the Living, and A Pigeon Sat on a Branch Reflecting Reflecting on Existence. Bit of a tongue twister there. Um, Which are all films about modern life in crisis. You could say that they're really about anything and everything because there's so many characters and so many miniature sketches in each of them. But as the title of the trilogy suggests... It's about the pain of being alive, basically. Uh, About Endlessness, acts as an epilogue to that body of work, and it takes a bit of inspiration from Arabian Nights. Where those two texts interact was kind of lost on me, but it still managed to work a little bit of its magic on me. It is, however, purposefully less funny and much more bleak than the others, so it's not a good one to start Anderson's work with, but if you're already invested, give it a whirl. My second recommendation uh from Mubi has a similarly melancholy mood to it, but I think I preferred this one quite a bit. Uh, it's called Harmon Rye, and it's the debut feature of Taylor Teomina. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Um and most importantly, it's marketed on Mubi as a cross between Richard Linklater and David Lynch. So already I am completely hooked, of course. <laughs> um I got thinking actually. And I realised, isn't Richard Linklater meets David Lynch just Donnie Darko? Um, And I think I'm right in thinking that. And I think Ham on Rye is actually not a million miles away from Donnie Darko. Um, It follows a large cast of high schoolers in a small American town, apparently getting ready for a prom. But it soon becomes apparent that even though they're dressed to impress and they're, they're going to a big social gathering of some sort, it not exactly a prom uh, they come together in a local delicatessen called monty's uh, where they all take part in a wide range of delicious sandwiches uh, before going into a very strange ritual that will change the course of the rest of their lives it's not as outwardly bizarre as something like donnie darko but at the same time i think it's got a very similar feeling of um, teenage angst and, and melancholia to it i also think there's a lot to be said for the lynch comparisons uh, because the way that this just cycles through lots of different atmospheric modes is a lot like watching an episode of Twin Peaks The Return. Here we go again. Uh, uh, And as you all know, I can't really give a higher praise than that. I can definitely see me watching this again, actually, just to see if it all hangs together, and I suspect it will. It's one of the most confident debuts I've seen in a long while, and I really hope it being on movie boosts the director's profile and spells a good future for him. So good luck to Tyler. Um, On Shudder this week, I was very, very pleasantly surprised to open it and see one of the scariest films that I've ever seen on top of the pile. Now, this is Possum. It's Matthew Holness's directorial debut about an introverted puppeteer played by Sean Harris, who comes back to visit his old home and he finds trauma literally around every corner. One of the most oppressive films I've ever seen. I know I said a few weeks ago that A Queen on Earth is the only film on Shudder to make me shudder, but... Possum is pretty much the only one that's done that and made me jump out of my seat in fright. Um, so it's not for the faint-hearted at all. I actually watched it around the same time as I was watching Goth Marenghi's Dark Place, which is an old Channel 4. Well, not old. It's like 2004, I think. It's a Channel 4 TV show, uh, sort of like a spoof of um, horror sci-fi shows uh, from the 1980s, uh, which Matthew Holness, the director, wrote and starred in. So... If you want to see a really versatile artist working in comedy horror and then just straight-up horror, I'd recommend watching Dark Place on all four yeah, uh, and then Possum second, on Shudder.
0: I can second that. Dark Place is absolute genius. Criminally it's underwatched. Hilarious. Yeah. It I mean, is absolutely the, hilarious. The Scotch Mist episode gets me every yeah. time.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that the one where like people start turning into broccoli? There's a, like, I have a very vague memory of it, even though like, I only watched it last year. I must have watched it in, like, the space of a day. I just remember just men in kilts and then just a mist and they're like, what's that strange bagpipe?
0: It's the Scotch mist.
1: (laughs) It's like the fog, but Scottish. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, Matthew Holness, really versatile filmmaker from the evidence that we've seen so far. Lampooning horror and then going out to the genre very, very seriously indeed. Possum, terrifying piece of work. And don't watch it if you don't like spiders. Just a little bit of a content warning there. Over on BFI Player, I have to shout the praises of this film because it's it's consistently underrated, I'd say, and I think it's still yet to receive the appraisal that it deserves. It's JC Chandor's A Most Violent Year, starring Oscar Isaac in a role that young Al Pacino would have been right at home in. He plays Abel Morales, who's a Colombian immigrant who set up a very successful heating oil business in New York in 1981. Uh, he refuses to retaliate against a clearly gang-related attack, uh, and he finds his morals, because his name is Morales, ha-ha-ha, <laughs> uh, compromised when his, his strong-headed wife tries to coerce him into fighting fire with fire. Jessica Chastain plays his wife incredibly well. She's actually got a Golden Globe nomination just for that role. But that, surprisingly enough, is pretty much it in terms of awards appreciation. It got brutally snubbed at the uh, 2015 Oscars. I think that's because it's one of the least showy films uh, that came out around that time. Like you said, Scott Birdman won Best Picture in that year. Uh, Very keen to show off its cinematography and attacking and all that, so that's probably why it won. Uh, We also had Foxcatcher, which I believe is coming up later in this episode. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we also had Whiplash, so, you know... I think it was quite stiff competition, but I think because The Most Violent Year is quite a low-key film and because it seems derivative of, like I said, Al Pacino movies from the 70s and 80s, people kind of dismissed it as solid but unremarkable. Uh, Wholeheartedly disagree on that point. I think it's one of the finest crafted pieces of so-called Oscar bait I've seen maybe ever. Uh, And it's, it's moral character and it's restraint in... You know not being a gangster movie is just what makes it so compelling aside from of course you know the very good work done by oscar isaac and jessica chastain i was doing a bit of research on it today and i discovered via imdb that there's a sequel in development to it uh, so whether that's going to go down the route of godfather giving way into godfather part two i don't know but i'm very very intrigued all the same so if that develops i will keep you posted uh, just before i wrap up my segment I have to give a quick mention to Bone Tomahawk, S. Craig Zahler, his absurdly violent horror western. It's been talked about a few times on the podcast before, so I won't cover it in in great detail, but I'm just letting you know that it's simultaneously on BFI Player, Shudder and Amazon Prime, and they've all just come on in the past month, so I think the rights for it must have gotten very, very cheap indeed. You have no excuse not to watch it unless you're Graham, who hasn't got any of those streaming services.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, there's plenty of other things that you can be watching if you don't subscribe to the likes of Netflix and uh, Shudder and Movie and BFI Player, Amazon Prime. Um, I'm the Everyman on and Television. Television, <laughs> yay! I remember when there were only four channels. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's a bit of a sparse week actually because we've had so much on over Christmas. Um, but there's still, I think, because of lockdown, there's a lot of networks that are just showing films to like help with covering a lot of blank space there's not a lot of original content out there um so just a quick list of things that's coming up that's of interest to me and hopefully to you guys out there um but the day that we record this as we said earlier it's the 13th of uh, january so if we do get the episode out in time coming up this saturday which will be the 16th um at half past I'll midnight try. on uh, thanks i um half past midnight on bbc one is fox catcher now, it's based on a true life story, and I remember when the film was getting promoted and was released, I heard a lot about it, so it's probably one of the films where the less you know about it going in, the better. Yeah, um, absolutely. <laughs> it's basically, let's just say it's about uh, American wrestling, um, but not like WWF and all that, WWE, it's more your sort of men. Olympic and- wrestling. Yeah, Olympic wrestling, that's the one. Mm -hmm. Um, I won't say much more about it other than the fact that it has very transformative uh, roles uh, for actors with their prosthetic noses. Um, But, yeah, um, yeah, I'm
1: definitely uh, looking forward to catching that. Now, I've got to say, though, when you told me what you were going to talk about last night, Mm -hmm. um, I said, oh, I think I can find an impression in there. Go on. And it's Steve Carell in Foxcatcher.
0: Yep, come on then.
1: (laughs) Mark. Mark. You can call me Golden Eagle, Mark. Would you like to watch Mark and Mindy with me, Mark? Mark? Dave? Dave? Well... I won't be the judge of that. Well, let's see what our <laughs> listeners think. Give it a rewatch and see if you can tell the difference. I'll
0: have the episode sat with me whilst it's on <laughs> on Saturday night. Um, then, following um, on the next day, Sunday the 17th, um, at five past midnight on BBC One, uh, Scott mentioned earlier, is All the President's Men. Now, I am a big fan of split diopter focus shots, and it's a great drinking game if you're that way inclined. Every time you see a split diopter focus shot, you take a shot. Um, (laughs) And what is a split diopter focus shot, you ask? Well, basically, a split diopter focus lens is a lens that screws over your standard uh, camera lens where it allows you to have both a near focus and a far focus shot. Now, there's a lot of films which have used these really iconically. Um, You see a lot of it in Jaws. All the President's Mm -hmm. Men has like a landmark six-minute shot um, Carrie uses it a lot. Basically, any Brian De Palma film. Yeah, it's um, De Palma's favorite type yeah. of shot. Like, <laughs> and so basically, it's where you'll see someone up close in focus, and then also someone in the distance, or someone typically where a camera wouldn't be able to pick up the two, uh, both side by side or in the different sort of angles. Um, but the, what you find is there's quite a, um, a defined hazy line that runs down the middle and often these can be disguised with pillars um, or landmarks things in the way to uh, disguise it so it's a, I love just picking them out my, I always nudge my girlfriend and say split diopter shot split diopter shot mm-hmm. so yeah she's fed up with me so much of that but uh, once you see them and once you know what to look for and the, often the craft that goes into it and the thinking behind it it's not just a technique for technique's sake it's often that uh, it's trying to portray something the distance between characters or the mood or atmosphere so All the President's Men have some great examples in it So, and I think as well with it being covering the Washington Post and the Watergate scandal what's going on in America at the moment I don't think there's a more timely uh, time to be showing All the President's Men so um, do get that watch now If that's quite a late time on Sunday night but if you're not going to be either up to watch it or record it it is also on later in the week on Thursday on BBC4 at 9 o'clock at a more reasonable time, so no excuses not to get it watched. Um, also, Sunday night, if you're not inclined to have a bit more of the heavy-weighted politics, you've got on ITV4 at 9
1: o'clock, Airplane
0: hmm. Zuckerberg, just classic. Um, it's been a while Zuckerberg. since...
1: Zuckerberg, no, no, the Zucker brothers, Zuckerberg. Is very different
0: oh sorry that's right yes yeah
1: <laughs> I'm Zuckerberg well, it's, it, in
0: 1980, what? it's well it's well it's zaz isn't it the zaz Abraham zucker abraham zucker um yeah Yes. combo um yes. sorry yeah zuckerberg's just like yeah i think he's taken over everything
1: uh, but <laughs> he's colonized your brain that's what he's yeah, doing it's, well it's, uh, it's, it's a like long journey, while... isn't it <laughs> it's at 5G so
0: don't stir the conspiracies um, but it's been a long while since I've seen Airplane so definitely worth a rewatch but if you are a big fan of Airplane a criminally underseen um, film of the Zazz canon is Top Secret oh, with yeah, Val Kilmer man um like airplane gets all of the plaudits um but i think top secret has just as many gags and i think there are some more genuinely
1: hilarious moments within it so i, um, I don't think i've laughed as hard at anything <laughs> as the the bikes gag in <laughs> In Top Secret, you remember that?
0: Yeah, it's hilarious. Or the whole, just the intro, just the skeet surfing. Yeah. (laughs) Just everything. I think there's not a bad joke in that film. I mean, it's the whole thing with the whole uh, Zucker Abrams Zucker is the fact that if you don't get one joke or enjoy one joke, there's another one coming just a second away. And Top (laughs) Secret very much does that. So. Um, well worth checking out. Um, also, another criminally underwatched film. Um, so really want to champion this is on Monday on the eighteenth on Film Four. Now it is late, so make sure you set your boxes for it. is It's a ten to one in the morning. Um, is Sing Street. It's a story it's set in Ireland of a young guy who transfers to a school, um, real out of place, fish out of water story. Um, but he uh, sets up a band with a bunch of uh, similar um, sort of delinquents and just out of touch kids, um, and they uh, end up sort of trying to play for the end of year like dance uh, at the school it's just a really charming film with genuinely really good music to it Um, it's from I believe was it from the guy who oh I'll tie myself who did once who did once yes I thought that was John Carney thank you Simon because there's like obviously an Irish connection in there so I thought I was going down the wrong road there with that but I was right thank you um, then it's a bit sparse the rest of the week, but then it all kicks off again on Friday the 22nd on film four Wind River um, with Jeremy Renner and Scarlet Witch, Elizabeth Olsen. That's the one. <laughs> it's um, written by the guy who did uh, Sicario. Sicario, that's the one. Is it also directed by him as well? Is this a.
1: Yeah, it's a yeah. directorial debut. Past. oh actually no no sorry he hmm. did do like a torture movie like about 10 years ago but i think this is like the only one that's actually He's the,
0: right well i yeah, mean i remember seeing it i remember seeing it at the cinema and i thought it was just quite powerful it was um it's it's quite brutal there's a few scenes in there where you wouldn't want to be sitting down with uh someone and just go looking aside of them go mm, yeah what do you think about that but um Very moving film. I think it's. um, I don't think it got quite the sort of uh, claim that it deserved because I think it's uh, well put together. I don't think it's a masterpiece by any means, but really enjoyed it. I hate
1: it. (laughs) Go on. I really hate it. Yeah, why? (laughs) I I think it's one of the worst detective stories ever told. Because you've got Elizabeth Olsen who sort of comes up north to sort of solve this this rape and murder, Mm -hmm. Um, and she does. Absolutely no detective work. <laughs> Jeremy Renner just basically guides her along the whole way, uh, and then there's like three different plot developments, and then it just kind of ends. And I was just like, "This is what the acclaim's about." I... I thought... By all means, watch it. I just, I, I just, it didn't work for me at all. Well, to me, I, I didn't it see. I didn't see it as a
0: detective, th- like a sort of cop procedural. I thought it was more about the the isolation of and the wilderness of the people
1: who live out there and the the extremes no, I, I, I mean i mean i agree that's what it's about mm. i'm just saying like the the actual getting from point a to b to c oh, right, i was just true. like
0: oh man it, yeah there, it does take a few a, a hop skip and a jump to get to where it it's does.
1: going. <laughs> it's got a very cool shootout though um, I'll oh, say, that yeah much.
0: very good that Um, Also then we're back to a good old standard on uh, Friday nights with Talking Pictures TV. Uh, They're back to showing some great um, sort of pulpy um, sort of horror thrillers on a Friday night. Uh, It kicks off at uh, 20 past 11 uh, with Christopher Lee in Rasputin, The Mad Monk. And then followed at uh, 20 past 1 in the morning of uh, Horrors of the Black Museum, which I've seen with... um, Oh, what's his name? David, is it David Goff or Daniel Goff? The guy who played uh, Alfred in the um, Tim Burton. Michael Goff. Michael Goff, that's the one, thank you. Uh, He plays quite a sinister role of like a um, nutty professor. Um, Not that one. Um, (laughs) But yeah, it's um, a very good, very good one. Um, But also I cover what's in streaming, uh, the likes of iPlayer and all Four. So we're still in the sort of little cusp of Christmas. So if you didn't get to see some of the big films that were being shown over Christmas, you've still got a bit of time because they're still available on to, for catch-up. So just to ream through some of them... Um, not so much one of the big films, but I remember watching this when it was on. I really enjoyed it. Uh, the Big Six, um, that is available for six more days from the day that we record this on the thirteenth. Um, also, it's be it's quite old. This one, but I watched re-watched it over Christmas. Really enjoyed it. Um, Tom Cruise playing a bad guy in Collateral and Jamie Fox. Oh, Collateral. Mm. nint. is the uh, taxi driver who we, he. Uh, he uh, so, well, I don't think he kidnaps, but he kid- sort of mm. yeah, he holds him under duress. Let's holds say, him though. under duress while he goes yeah. about his uh, his uh, dastardly work. Um, but I just think <laughs> the the score, the soundtrack itself, the cinematography, uh, Michael Mann just doing
1: cities so well. So it it, it could also be a transporter sequel. Yeah, mm, yeah. Because <laughs> uh, Jason Statham's like in the first two minutes playing a bagman, and then that's it. <laughs> exactly. You know, so it's. Uh,
0: it's canon it's canon <laughs> um, also if you didn't catch it was, was it on on Boxing Day I can't remember which night it was over Christmas but Dunkirk um, yeah. is on um, that's available for 11 more days um, Paddington 2 absolute classic I think it's the film that Wes Anderson wished he'd made because um, it almost looks like he did um, that's available for 9 more days um, The Phantom Thread that's also available for 9 more days um, you've also got as well great one for uh, kids and young adults alike, um, the Secret of Kells, uh, which is by the oh, guys. I haven't seen this yet. Yeah, so that was done yeah. by the guys who've done Wolfwalkers, which is now out, and also mm-hmm. uh, what was the other one? Songs of the Sea, uh, which is another remarkable animation, just a very sort of beautifully uh, hand drawn with like sort of elements of uh, computer animation to help uh, so sort of bring it more to life. Um, so if you're into your sort of Celtic Irish connections, Secret of Kells, I'd highly recommend. Um, last of the big ones on iPlayer is a uh, Spider-Man: Homecoming. That's available for the next seven days. So if you need your Marvel fix, get that watched. Um, we've then got on all four, um, not so much blockbustery big tentpole Christmas movies, but just some good things on there, just to highlight. Uh, we've got Shane Meadows' um, Dead Man's Shoes. Now I've seen that once.
1: Festive classic. Yeah,
0: well, I've seen Dead Man's Shoes once, and like it made enough of an impact with me. I feel as if it's like burnt onto my retinas that I don't need to see yeah. it again. But long overdue, so I will try to to catch that against it. all. Oh, Paddy Considine with just an awesome performance.
1: Great swearing in that
0: movie as great, well. Yeah, great, great swearing. swearing. <laughs> um, also, we've well that's available. Dead Man's Shoes is available for the next ten days uh, from when we record this. Um, also, we've got uh, Neil Marshall's Dog Soldiers available for the next eighteen days. Another Christmas classic um, with Neil it's and less I. Less bleak than Dead Man's Shoes, though.
1: Yeah, I suppose they're cold. They're in the forest, so almost yeah, Christmas. Yeah. Is it snowing though? It's it, it's, it's, it's probably it's like one snowing. or two degrees, so it's not like not far off. No,
0: yeah. Okay. Um, also, we've got with Neil and I for the next seventeen days. Under the Skin for the next eighteen days. The best film ever made. Come on, it's great. I'm not saying it's the best film ever made. Scott, though. back me up here. One it's the up grids. there. It's up there. Yeah, thank you. It's. I mean, the thing is, though, with watching it at home, I, was, I saw it at the cinema, and it's one of those films you have to experience. I'm not sure you would get the same experience watching it at home. It is a great film, but I think the the way the way it makes you feel while you're watching it, it's hard to replicate without seeing it at the cinema. Mm. So it's
2: important th- to watch it in the dark. I think. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. I think when I watch definitely. it at home in the dark, it, it it does have an effect still. I yeah. think I've watched it once in, when it's been daylight, and it's just <laughs> it's just not the same.
0: No, Um and then last one now. This is one I haven't seen, but I know lots of people rave about it. It's just one of these when we talk about like films to experience. It's uh, embrace of the serpent uh which is available oh, yeah. for the next 20 days um uh, black and white film set in the sort of, uh it's like the amazonian rainforest i believe so um i don't know much about it all i know is just i've seen like the the cover of
1: it before in the posters and i've heard people talk about it so it's really good yeah. really really good but do stick with it because the ending is one of the most rewarding things i've seen in a while i did see it in the cinema and i remember not really feeling it for like the first 20 30 minutes and i was like but then as you get more invested in the world and the the way that the mysticism uh, it, like in, inflects the landscape and how it runs these two stories alongside one another it re- it's really magical mm-hmm. cool cool, cool, cool highly yeah. recommended thank you for that and
0: um, lastly this is not uh, film related but TV related Um, Mark Kermode Secrets of Cinema has uh, started again with his third series so the first episode based on uh, British comedies was on just on Monday just gone Um, the next episode coming up on Monday is uh, pop movies so he's going to be going through things I would imagine like Hard Day's Night um, Slade in Flames um, films of like bands and music Um, And then the third one is cult movies, so I'm really looking forward to that. I would imagine there's going to be um, Harawoski, I'm trying to think what could be in there. Colton? John Waters, John Waters, yeah. So it's uh, a razor hair, yeah. So the cult one is one I'm really sort of anticipating. So if you missed the first one, I think it is getting repeated. So keep an eye on BBC Four, um, but also you'll be able to catch on iPlayer. That's on BBC Four Monday nights at nine o'clock for the new series. Um, final little bit from me as well is we have seen the back of the Sony Christmas Channel, yay! Yay!
1: Rest in peace. <laughs>
0: Celebration. Rest in peace until next year. What till like October or November? Um, <laughs> but the standard Sony Classic Channel is back, and so they've been made the big point of. Uh, um, so they sent a thing out to like lots of film critics uh, last weekend to advertise that they were back, where they were showing uh, Psycho on Saturday night. So I think James King. Um, um, I'm trying to think of lots of other film critics I follow on Twitter. They were all uh, received like cupcakes with like a knife in them, um, and just a little card to say that. Uh, so a bit of uh, good PR there from the Sony Classic Channel. So lots of really great movies on there. Um, in the Heat of the Night is coming up. Uh, Psycho, as I said, was on, but that's going to be re-shown. So um, welcome back to Sony Classics, um, and that's it for me. You wish you were missed because those made for TV Christmas movies, absolute honkers,
2: one and all. <laughs> you, you have to question why why it wasn't the Sony movie um, action channel that was removed instead. Well, the thing is, so the Sony Movie Action Channel,
0: what happened was some of the films that would normally be on classics were being put on mm. the uh, Action Channel. Um, so it wasn't wall-to-wall Van Damme and Steven Seagal for a change. Um, but I think as well, uh, the French Connection's coming up sometime later uh, next week on the Action Channel. And I was like, but then the Classic Channel's back. But hey-ho, I'm not complaining when the French Connection's on telly. I was going to say, isn't that your favourite film? It is... Well, I've got two favourite films. If I'm going to be kind of Oscar-worthy and like, oh, look at me, I would say The French Connection. My favourite <laughs> film for just pure comfort and I could watch it over and over is Swingers, John Favreau <laughs> and Vince Vaughn. So Fair it point. depends on which day you catch me on. <laughs> That's it from us, but uh, I just want to put a call out for a bit of a special that I'm gonna to look to be doing, including on my part next week. as we are in sale season post-Christmas. Uh box sets, DVDs, Blu-rays are all being uh reduced and discounted. So I want to do a bit of a feature next time um based on things that you can pick up in sales. I've got a little bundle of DVDs and things that I've got within my collection of what I like to call the little treasure trove of HMV and other retail stores of like their general interest well not just the bargain bin but if you go through their general interest section you'll find just random things that were like obscure TV shows, documentaries that you'd never typically expect to find so there's some great things I've like came across through the years so I'll be putting some posts out of what I generally mean and highlighting some examples and I'll talk through a few things that I'll be going into a feature for next episode can we all contribute to that? Or? Why not? More the merrier. Why, why, Is it an invitation? That's an invitation for both yourselves and the listeners out there.
1: That was very vampiric of me. Now I have been invited in. Thank you. <laughs> You're in.
0: Yeah, Exactly. Um, but uh for now, that's it from us uh, but thank you very much for listening we hope to continue on as we are um, for 2021 um whether we continue weekly fortnightly we'll just have to wait and see um but we will alert... probably
1: fortnightly probably yeah probably
0: more fortnightly but we if will be putting out posts if, if you do make sure to follow us on our socials uh, instagram twitter and our facebook you'll find out when we've got episodes launching or what you can also do is if you make sure to subscribe it'll make sure that you'll be alerted by your podcast provider of choice when our new episodes come up, so you never miss it and you can hopefully get it listened to because we are in time constraints for the type of things that we feature. So uh, make sure that you get the episodes downloaded and listened to pretty pronto and then you make sure that you take the full advantage of our recommendations. Uh, but from me, Grim, thank you very much for listening and uh,
1: look forward to hearing from you all next time. From Scott, thanks for listening. See you next time. And from Simon, thank you very much. See you next time. And here's to... A great season 2. Salute, my familia.